the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And here's the problem with just living the life. And, and you must live the life. You have to do that. But if you only do that, you give people the wrong impression. Here's what often happens if you don't verbally at some point tell others about your faith in Christ. You think, well, they'll figure it out. They'll see the way I live. They'll figure it out. But they won't. That's, that's usually not what happens. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse, featuring the expository Bible teaching of Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Today, Pastor Steve wraps up his second message from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. We've been dealing with what Jesus meant when he called his followers the light of the world. Some Christians witness verbally, but their lives don't support their witness. Others live quite admirably, but never tell anyone about Jesus who enables their victorious lives. Both kinds of Christians have hidden their light. Let's listen now as Pastor Steve shares more about being useful and effective light in a world shrouded in darkness. This is precisely what the Bible means by we are light shining in a dark place. In fact, look at Philippians chapter 2. And I I just heard the other day a great message on this from Rich Hines. But um, I want to say some of the things that Rich said, but also say some things in the verses before before this, because I think it all ties together. If you live like the Bible says you should live, then the world will take note that you're light. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Let's start there. Paul says, so then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, so notice he's talking about obedience, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Paul is saying, look, look, when I was with you, you were obedient. But now that I'm apart from you, I want you to have the same standards of obedient. Work out the salvation that's in you. Now, he's not saying work for the salvation, but salvation is in you. Work it out so that whatever is in you comes out in your behavior. And then he explains where the power comes and the desire to obey God. It doesn't come from Paul, it comes from God. He says in verse 13, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. A a Christian has desires to obey because God gives him those desires and he has the power to obey because God gives him the power. And then he says, and I think this is critical, verse 14, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Now, where did that come from? You know what he's saying? You must obey and don't gripe about it. There are some Christians who, who will obey, but they will, uh, they will gripe and complain. Why has God put me in this situation? Why has this happened in my life? Yeah, I have to do it, but I don't want to do it. Yeah, I know what scripture says, and I'm, I'm going through the motions. But Paul says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. This is how God sovereignly and wisely what he's brought into your life. 
And when you do that, when you stop complaining and you accept God's will and you obey God's word, regardless of your circumstance, then the world takes note because he says in verse 15, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. The world will see who you are when you start behaving the way you should especially when it's rough for you and, you and you stop complaining. So the first way that we make sure that we don't hide the light that, that Christ has put within us is by obedience, by obeying God's word. That's basic. The second way that we make sure that we function as light is by openly speaking out for him, telling others the gospel, letting others know of your testimony. See, here's the great danger. Especially when we look at a passage like this in Matthew chapter 5, we look at let your, let your light shine as people see your works and people conclude, well, you know what? I don't need to tell anybody I'm a Christian. They'll figure it out by the way I live. If I just live out the truth, I don't ever need to speak and tell them that I know Christ and give my testimony and share the gospel. That's not true. That's not true. That's not true. The Bible makes it very clear that we are commanded to verbally bear witness for Christ. Jesus said, go make disciples. He said, go preach the gospel. Go tell others the truth. Testify of your faith in Christ. When Jesus said, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works, your good works include sharing the gospel. Uh, That's a good work. In fact, that's the best work. And here's the problem with just living the life. And, And you must live the life. You have to do that. But if you only do that, you give people the wrong impression. Here's what often happens if you don't verbally at some point tell others about your faith in Christ. You think, well, they'll figure it out. They'll see the way I live. They'll figure it out. But they won't. That's that's usually not what happens. What happens if you don't tell them about Jesus, they're going to assume that you're just a good, wholesome person. That you're just a really nice person. And in doing that, you're doing just the opposite of witnessing for Christ. You are promoting self-righteousness, whether you like it or not, whether you intend to or not. You're promoting yourself because that's all people see. You act this way. You're a gentleman. You're kind. You're gracious. You're ethical. You're nice because that's the way you are. And so who do they exalt? You. They're, They're not putting it together that, oh, this person must be a Christian. They'll just figure you're a nice person. Or they may even assume that you're part of a religious organization like the Mormons. A devout Mormon is an upright citizen, family-oriented, refrains from certain cultural vices. They might think that you're one of them or some other religious group that just has high ethical standards. So the way to make sure that that in shining your light upon men properly, the way to make sure you do that is by proclaiming the gospel as well as living out the truth of the gospel. Good works combined with speaking forth why those good works are in you. First Peter, I read this before, but let me show you the balance. First Peter chapter 2 verse 9 says, you're a chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellency excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That proclaim, that's very clear. You got to open your mouth and speak. Tell them your testimony. Tell them what it meant, what it means that Jesus died for sinners. Tell them that. Tell them that God is holy and must punish sin. Tell them of Christ's love to go to the cross. Tell them that. But verse 12 says, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. 
so that in the things in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Proclaim, let them observe. Proclaim, have your behavior excellent. They both go together. And if you only proclaim and don't live a life of excellence, then you're, you're a lousy testimony and you're hiding the light. And also, if you only do good deeds, but don't let people know the source of those good deeds, then you're also a lousy witness because they'll conclude it's you. And that's the last thing you want to do. That's, that's the worst thing you want to do. It's both. So the first way we make sure the light is shining as it should is by being obedient to what the Bible teaches. The second way is to make sure that we tell others the gospel, even as we live the life before them. And the third way to make sure that Christ's light is on display for all to see is this. It's by having contact with non-Christians. See, if we're not careful, and I touched on this last week, but if we're not careful, we're going to withdraw. It's easy for us to withdraw from non-Christians so that we, we only socialize with Christians. We, we only carry on meaningful conversations with Christians. We only interact with Christians. And you know what? That's very understandable. That's why I want to mention this. It's understandable because we know the world hates us. We know the world insults us. We know the world persecutes us. And so the thinking is, well, why bother with them? Why even do this? Because Jesus said to do this. And I'll tell you, it's not only unbiblical to isolate yourself. It's unnatural. It's unnatural. We are to be in the world. The reason that God didn't take you out of the world the moment he saved you is so that you would interact with non-Christians. You know, um, Paul addressed this of how unreasonable it would be to not interact with with, uh, non-Christians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he is actually condemning and rebuking the Corinthian assembly because they had a man a member of that church who was carrying on sexual relations with not only another woman, but with his stepmother. Would have been bad enough if it was another woman. That would have been cause for discipline. But on top of that, it was his stepmother. And and they were very tolerant of it, probably thinking, well, they're open-minded. They're, they're kind of like hip with the Greek culture here or with any of the culture, the pagan culture. Paul condemns them. And then he says, In 1 Corinthians verse 9, he said, I I wrote you in my letter, this was a previous letter, not to associate with immoral people. He said, I've already gone over this. But he said, let me clarify this because obviously you didn't get it. I did not mean at all, I did not at all mean with the immoral people of this world or with the covetous or swindlers or with idolaters for then you'd have to go out of the world. Do you see what he's saying? When I wrote to you, I didn't tell you to do something as unnatural and as as unreasonable as withdraw from the people of the world as immoral as they might be. To do that, you'd have to withdraw from this very world. How are you going to do that? He says and clarifies in verse 11, but actually I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he's an immoral person or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one, you withdraw from those who claim to know Christ and live like that, but you don't withdraw from the world. Where, where are you going to go in the world? What do you expect them to behave like? This is the way they are. You just withdraw and discipline and excommunicate someone from the church who you know behaves like this and doesn't repent. So God has called us out of the darkness of this world system in order to change us and then send us back into the world system to shine as lights for him. 
During the time of Jesus, there was a um, monastic community known as the Essenes. The Essenes. They had moved out of Jerusalem to an isolated spot some miles away, uh, right near the Dead Sea, known as Qumran. That's where the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered in the late 1940s. It was the Essenes who put the scrolls, mostly scriptures, but also their own writings and order of life. They put them in jars of, of clay and then hid them in caves because they feared that if the Romans ever came and wiped out their community, these scrolls would be preserved. And, they, and that's exactly what happened. They were preserved for nearly 2,000 years until a Bedouin shepherd, a boy actually, had one of his, I think it was a sheep, maybe a goat, who went into one of these caves and he threw a rock to bring the, the sheep out and he heard a little clang. He heard it hit something. He went in the cave and, and discovered scrolls, jars of clay. At first, they didn't realize how valuable they were, but that's not the point that I want you to see. I'm just trying to relate this to you. That's that area, Qumran, Dead Sea Scrolls, the Essenes. But why did the Essenes move out of Jerusalem? Why did they move out? Because they wanted to withdraw from the religious corruption and wickedness of Jerusalem society. You know what the Essenes called themselves? They had a name for themselves. They referred to themselves, and you see this in their writings, as the sons of light. Everybody else was the sons of darkness. They were the sons of light. Now, they may have called themselves the sons of light, but they didn't function as light, not by the Dead Sea. That's an isolated spot. They weren't visible to those in darkness. They had withdrawn from the darkness of Jerusalem, and in doing so, they weren't able to let their light shine upon men. Nobody saw them but themselves, isolated. It's a desolate spot. And I might add, it's very possible, though we have no way of knowing for certain because Scripture doesn't say this, it may have been that Jesus, in telling his followers that they were the light of the world, was saying that you, not the Essenes, are the light of the world, not this contemporary community of monks. You're the light of the world. They call themselves the light of the world, but they're not. You're the light of the world. Visibly shine. If that's the case, then the Lord was warning his disciples not to be hidden away, not to go down to communities like that by the Dead Sea and, and isolate themselves from the world, be where the world is. And perhaps... If the Lord did have the Essenes in mind, perhaps he, he even made a side glance in their direction in talking about them. We don't, we don't know that for sure. But regardless of whether he had the Essenes in mind or not, we need to make sure that we don't hide Christ's light by keeping our contact with the world to a minimum. So don't complain if you're, if you're in an office where they curse a lot or they're dishonest or you go to school with people who are very difficult, hostile towards the gospel. God has sovereignly placed you there to shine for him. That's where you're to shine. Remember, the darker the night, the greater the need for light. You are the light in that dark place. So what have we seen so far? In telling us that a city on a hill cannot be hid, Jesus was admonishing us, first of all, to make sure that as light in a dark world we need to be visible. It doesn't make any sense if we're not visible. There's a second important truth, though, that Jesus gave about how light functions. First of all, as light, we need to be visible. Secondly, as light, we need to be useful. There is a purpose that light has. It doesn't shine just to shine. Verse 15 says, Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. As light, not only are we a city 
on a hill that can't be, be hid. But Jesus also said, we're like lamps that help people to what? See. That's the, that's the point of a lamp. Why else would you have a, a lamp? And once again, our Lord was referring to a very common practice of his day in that they lit a clay lamp with oil, and then they would put it on a lampstand so that it illuminated the whole house. Now, you may be thinking that's one big light to illuminate the whole house. No, it's one little house. Poor people had houses just uh, uh, essentially had one room, just one room. So you lit a lamp and it would light the whole house. And Jesus said that no one would think of taking a lighted lamp and, and placing it under a basket used for measuring things. Who, who in their right mind would do that? Now, it would still be light, would it not? But it would no longer serve a purpose, wouldn't be useful. No one would be that foolish to hide a lamp so that it served no purpose, right? And yet, that's precisely what we do when we fail to live out the truth before men so that they cannot see God in us. A light that fails to illuminate is as worthless as salt that has lost its taste. That's the point. Now, they both serve no purpose. What's the purpose? Jesus has made us the light of the world in order to function as light so that others have the opportunity to see his truth and his beauty put on display through us. Folks, as I said before, that's the purpose for which God saved you, to display Christ to glorify the Lord by putting him on display. Otherwise, the moment you're saved, he would have taken you home to heaven. Why are we in this dark world? Why are we here? To shine forth his truth. That's our purpose in living, to put him on display. And that's why Jesus tells us how useful light is in verse 16. Here's the purpose of light. Here's our purpose in living. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now, really, this is the whole point of everything he's saying about light. Let your light shine, your light of the good works, so that others may see and glorify your Father. As light, we're to be visible to the world so that we fulfill our purpose. Our purpose is what? To shine forth our good works so that others may, watch this, glorify not us, not us, but our Heavenly Father, by seeing the truth and coming to faith in Christ. See, here's, here's what Jesus is saying. You shine forth your good works, and there will be some who will get it. Some will recognize your good works, that, that those good works have been produced by Christ in you. They certainly don't come from you alone. There's no good thing that dwells in us. Others will see the attractiveness of your changed life, and some will come to faith in Christ. They'll be attracted to the light by, by your witness. They'll come to faith in Christ, and that's how they'll glorify our Father in heaven. How else would they glorify God unless they came to know Christ? See, so your, your good works, your godliness, your beatitude life living does make a difference. Some people will see those good works. You may not see a lot, but some will, and they'll recognize the truth about Christ in us. They'll be so attracted to the light that they will come to him for salvation. That's what Jesus meant. As some people will actually come to know and glorify God. Put your light on display. Now, the challenge for us, quite frankly, is to make sure that we put Christ on display and not ourselves. Not ourselves. The purpose of light is to help people see better, not draw attention to light. 
right? I mean, that's, that's only logical. The purpose of light is to illuminate, not say, look at me. And yet there are a lot of Christians who that's their attitude. Look at me. Look at how spiritual I am. Look at how obedient I am. Isn't that what Jesus condemned in, in chapter 6, verse 1? Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. And yet, listen, that goes on a lot in evangelical churches. People give money and, and, and organiza- Christian organizations do this. And they have to announce to everybody large gifts. What about that poor widow who gave just a couple of pennies? Who's announcing her? And the the Pharisees here, they fasted and they had to make sure everybody knew they were fasting. When they prayed, they, they in public, they had to make sure everybody knew that they were praying. Oh, how pious they were. We, we have to be careful the same thing. The purpose in which to shine forth righteousness is not to get people to applaud us. If that's your, your purpose, if that's your goal, then you've got your reward. That's it. You've got your reward. There's no more. But if your purpose is to shine forth his light so that others might glorify the Savior in coming to him, then there'll be a great reward for you. Here's how one Bible teacher put it. People who live in the light are not conscious of their own light. People who only reflect light do not brag about how bright they are. There are no 1,000 watt beatitude people. People living in the Beatitudes are more conscious of their own darkness, of his grace, and of his light than they are of how much light they reflect. But they do shine, and groping people who see them find their way to God. Let's bow for prayer. And as we bow for prayer, let's consider what are we going to do about our Lord's words? What are we going to do about this? Can people see the Lord by your light and by your life? What do they see in you? Is your light shining in such a way that Christ's character is shining forth? If not, what sin do you need to repent of? What do you need to do differently? What do you need to denounce in your life? Where have you been disobedient? Maybe you're not telling others the gospel. Maybe you are a secret believer. Or how about you don't have as much contact with unbelievers as you should. Why isn't your light shining like it should? You need to address that. If you have seen Christ in some attractive Christian and you have not yet come to him, then you need to see that the only light that you see is not, is not that, that person's righteousness, but that's Christ who's changed them. As Paul said, and I mentioned this before, in me there dwells no good thing. Whatever good works come forth from you, it's been produced by Christ in you. We have nothing to offer anybody but Christ. So if you're, if you're not a believer, but you've been attracted to Christ by the life of a, of a Christian, then you need to come all the way. You need to repent of your sin, trust Christ that his atonement was for you, and thus glorify God. Father, thank you for your word Thank you for these marvelous truths, Lord. I pray that you'll help us to live obedient lives, Lord. I pray that you'll put your finger on anything in, in any way in which we're hiding the light from others. Lord, may we not be like, like the, uh, the covenant people in the Old Testament, your Jewish people, who were so proud of how much they had to teach the ignorant Gentiles 
but they were so hypocritical, proud and hypocritical. What an abomination to you. Father, I pray that you'll keep us from that. Help us to be a transparent people, open, letting the light shine forth, consistent with what we, how we live. May you convict us of sin. May we change and may we show forth light, Lord, and keep us from showing light so that others will be impressed with us. It's not about us, but only about him. Lord, as we're about to sing, not only be thou our vision, but may others see Christ only and that you be their vision. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. Lord, help us to live in such a way that we glorify Christ and not ourselves. You've been listening to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is our teacher. He's the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. For more about Lakeside, call the office at 727-441-1714 or visit the website lakesidechapel.com. That number is also the number to call if you'd like to have a free CD with the message Pastor Steve just finished. Ask for message 4126, Let Your Light Shine. Once more, the number is 727-441-1714. You can also download or stream today's broadcast or any previous Verse by Verse by going online to versebyverseradio.org. I'm Jerry Peterson. I hope you'll join us for the next Verse by Verse as Pastor Steve moves on to the next section of the Sermon on the Mount. Up to now, Jesus has been dealing mostly with the inner character of his followers. But now at this point, he begins to express some of his authority, which must have surprised his audience. We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.